This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Let George Do It was an American radio drama series produced from 1946 to 1954. Bob Bailey starred as private investigator George Valentine. The few earliest episodes were more sitcom than private eye shows, with a studio audience providing scattered laughter. The program then changed into a suspenseful tough guy private eye series. Clients came to Valentine's office after reading a newspaper that carried his classified ad, Personal notice. Dangers buy stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you've got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. Well, the newspaper ad varied from show to show, but always opened with dangers buy stock and trade and closed with write full details. Valentine's secretary was Claire Brooks, a.k.a. Brooksy, voiced by Francis Robinson, then by Virginia Gregg, and then by Lillian Bioff. As Valentine made his rounds in search of perpetrators, he occasionally encountered Brooksy's kid brother, Sonny, played by Eddie Firestone, or elevator man Caleb, played by Joseph Kearns. Now, the police lieutenant, Riley, played by Walter Meyer, was a more regular guest. John Heistad was the program's announcer, and I found this interesting. The background music was supplied by Eddie Dunstetter, initially with a full orchestra, and when television supplanted radio as the country's primary home entertainment, radio budgets got skimpier and skimpier, and Dunstetter's orchestra was replaced by an organ played by Dunstetter. Ouch! What a come down from a full orchestra to a single organ. But that's showbiz, huh? Well, let's see what George gets up to tonight in tonight's episode that's entitled First Client. <laughs> of California invites you to Let George Do It. What's the quickest starting, smoothest running gasoline on the road today? Chevron Supreme. Faster pickup, too. Take a tip, friends, and fill up with Chevron Supreme at your nearest Chevron gas station, garage, or standard station. Start down the highway or in traffic, and you'll be thankful for a tank full of Chevron Supreme gasoline. George Valentine has been out of uniform only a few weeks. Blessed with an abundance of energy, an adventuresome spirit, and not too much money, he has sunk his last dime in office rent, a few pieces of furniture, and an ad in the classified section of the daily paper. An ad which reads, Do you have a crime that needs solving? Do you have a dog that needs walking? Do you have a wife that needs spanking? Let George do it. 
Now, three days have passed, and George, sitting on his swivel chair with his feet up on the desk, is still anxiously waiting for a client. Suddenly, the door bursts open. Mr. Valentine? Yes? Mr. George Valentine? Yes. Yes, come right in. Uh, Have a seat. Oh, here, take this one. It's softer. Oh, thank you. Oh, don't mention it. Have a cigar? Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. You're too young. Uh, wait a minute. Here, have a chocolate bar with almonds. Oh, thank you. Now then, what can I do for you? Well, I came to work for you. Work? Oh, I thought you were a client. Oh, no, sir. Well, that's all right. I'll get it. Hey, wait a minute. Good morning. Let George do it. How do you like that? Well, I can make an appointment for you. I'm Mr. Valentine's confidential assistant. That's nice to know. Well, if you're that close, then come right up, Mr. Winters. Here, goodbye, sir. Now, look here, bottom button. I'm Sonny Brooks. You can call me Sonny. Well, now, look here, Sonny. Who hired you? Well, I come with the office. You see, Caleb, the elevator man, is my friend. He knew I was looking for a job, so he said, Sonny, whoever gets that office gets you, too. Yeah. Well, you're too young, Sonny. Things may get a little rough around here. Oh, that's okay, sir. I'm a very rugged character. Now, then, Mr. Winters will be here soon. Winters? The mystery writer? Yes, sir. Jonathan Winters. He just phoned. Oh. We can discuss my salary later. I'll go on the payroll as of today. Whether I like it or not, huh? Well, I have a feeling you're going to become very fond of me, sir. I grow on people. Yeah, like a wart. Okay, Sonny, call an employment agency and get me a secretary. Well, that won't be necessary, sir. Why? Don't tell me you type also. No, but my sister does. Your sister? Claire. She'll be here soon to start to work. Say, does your whole family go with this office? Well... I don't have much of a family. There's just Claire and me. Oh. Oh, that's tough, kid. But you're lucky. I haven't even got a sister. Tell you what. Maybe we can sort of look after each other. How about it, huh? Oh, that'll be swell, Mr. Valentine. I'll be glad to take care of you, sir. (laughs) You're okay, Sonny. Well, you like Claire, too. She's prettier than I am. Oh, perfect. It doesn't matter if she can type or take dictation just so she's prettier than you are. Mr... Valentine? Hmm? Oh, oh, yes, Mr. Winters, come right in. Mr. Valentine, I'm here because... Oh, it doesn't matter what the job is, Mr. Winters, I'm your man. Just throw your problem in my lap and I'll come up with the right answer. Mr. Valentine, I'm about to be murdered. (laughs) Now, don't take it too seriously. A lot of people... Murdered? Murdered? You're joking, I hope. I'm not joking. Oh, well, that's a little out of my line, Mr. Winters. I I mean, that is... well, Mr. You... Valentine, I... I have been murdered. Suffering cats. Oh, well, hold, don't stand there, Sonny. Do something. Call somebody. The police, the fire department. Yeah, I'll get a doctor. And Sonny. Yeah, Mr. Valentine? Don't get excited. Look at me. I'm perfectly cool. Going up, miss? Is Mr. Valentine's office in this building? Fifth floor. Step in. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're Claire, ain't you? Why, how did oh, you... Oh, family resemblance. You look like Sonny. Nice boy, Sonny. I think so. Of course, I'm prejudiced. You know what sisters are like. <laughs> yes. I'm the same way about Georgie. Georgie? You don't mean Mr. Valentine. Of course I do. Known him for years. Used to work for his father. <laughs> Georgie and me got to be good friends on account of his curls. Curls? Mm, he must have been all of four years. Had the prettiest long curls you ever did see. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, I talked to his mom to having them cut off. Uh, Georgie and me have been close friends ever since. I can understand that. 
Hey, you going to go to work for him? Well, I'm going to apply for the job. Ah, well, you keep an eye on him, hear me? Well, You I... know, that boy never thinks to eat unless someone reminds him. Oh, it's the fifth floor. Oh. And don't let his talk fool you. He tries to act hard-boiled, but I know Georgie. Underneath it all, he's still a little boy with them pretty long curls. <laughs> the first door to your left. Oh, there he is now. Caleb. Caleb, get a doctor up here right away. I hear nose or stomach. I don't care. Just get a doctor. I'll get Dr. Mack. He took very good care of you that time you had that cold, remember? Uh, Mr. Valentine. Well? Is anything wrong? Oh, no, no. Nothing trifling. Now, run along, sweetheart. And, and if you're a client, come back tomorrow, will you? I'm Claire Brooks, Sonny's sister. Yeah, well, come back tomorrow. Mr. Valentine. Well? You're going to interview me for the job whether you like it or not. I spent ten cents on bus fare to come here. Look, here's a dime. Now, be a good girl and beat it. I certainly will. I wouldn't work for you if you offered me a thousand dollars a week to sit behind a desk and do nothing but powder my nose. It could stand a little powder at that. Oh, you... Wait a minute. You had any experience as a secretary? Of course. Can you mend socks? Mend socks? Iron shirts, sew buttons, cook breakfast over a can of sterno? Mr. Valentine, are you looking for a secretary or a wife? Oh, a secretary. I'm still a bachelor. Knock on wood. Had one close call, though, but I got away from her. <laughs> Lucky guy. <laughs> Lucky girl. Say, you're all right. Okay, you're hired. Thank you. I'll give you back that time. What about salary? Well, we'll discuss that after I collect my first client. How do I know you'll ever get a first client? My first client? Oh, oh, I've got one now. I don't know what I'm going to do with him, but I've got him. Come on in and see for yourself. That gentleman stretched out on the floor is my first... He... Sonny! Sonny! Yeah, Mr. Valentine? Where is he? Where's the body? Where's Mr. Winters? Suffering cats, Mr. Valentine. He's gone! Makes sense, will you? Mr. Winters couldn't have just disappeared into thin air. It's like I told you, Mr. Valentine. I went into the waiting room to phone the police, and the next thing I knew, you were out here yelling for me. Look, this window is open. What of it? Well, don't you see? It leads to the fire escape. Yeah, and this door leads to a closet, and that door leads to a... Well, never mind. Will you be serious? Mr. Winters was shot. Well? Maybe his murderer followed him here to your office. Maybe he hid out on the fire escape listening. Then when you left the office, he dragged the body out. I'll bet sis is right. Sure. Oh, look, kids, we haven't got time to puzzle over it now. I'm in a jam. The police will be here any minute. The police? Of course. Sonny phoned them. I'll look pretty silly trying to explain that the body disappeared. My first case, and I make a mess of it. Oh, don't get discouraged, Mr. Valentine. Well, to tell you the truth, Sonny, I don't know what to do next. I haven't even got a clue. <laughs> Still a little boy in curls. Curls? Oh, Caleb's been talking to you, huh? <laughs> He's a swell old gentleman, but don't take him too seriously. Why not? Well, he thinks I know all the answers. And look at me. Mr. Valentine, why don't you go out and find a clue? Find one? Where? Well, did Mr. Winters have a family? Well, I don't... Hey, wait a minute. I've seen pictures of his wife in society papers. Good. Oh, Claire, you're wonderful. Hey, remind me to raise your salary. What salary? Well, when you get one, remind me to raise it. See you later. Where are you going, Mr. Valentine? To Mr. Winter's home. And when the police come, stall them. But Mr. Valentine, what'll I tell them? Tell them nothing. You've got charm, haven't you? Well, use it. <laughs> Mr. Valentine, I've got to know. What do you think happened to my husband? Now, just take it easy, Mrs. Winters. Oh, I was afraid something would happen to him. Why? Well, he, he was so worried. I thought it was because his writing wasn't going too well. He hadn't been able to write anything in a long time. Oh, your husband is the famous mystery writer, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, I've read some of his stuff. The case of the body in the bathtub, murder has the hiccups. And uh, this is his study. Oh. Say, quite a layout. 
Uh, what are all these papers? His manuscript. He was working on The Lost Corpse. The Lost Corpse? <laughs> Cute title. Oh, it wasn't coming easy. He knew it had to be good or it'd mean the end of... Mr. Valentine, what are you looking for in that waste paper basket? Well, I, I don't know exactly. I just got a hunch. I want the truth. Was he murdered? Relax, Mrs. Winters, relax. The very best man in town is on the job. Who? Who? Well, me, of course. Is this the lost corpse? Put that manuscript down. Don't look at it. Why not? Oh, I, I'm sorry. Just a, a, a superstition. Jonathan never wanted anyone to read what he was working on. Oh. Then, of course, you haven't read this. No, no, certainly not. Uh, did your husband have any domestic trouble? Domestic trouble? Jonathan was devoted to me. Was? Why the past tense? Well, oh, I, I don't know what I'm saying. Mrs. Winter? Yes, yes, what is it? There's a policeman downstairs. He wants to talk to you. A policeman? I'll be right down. Yeah, well, look, Mrs. Winters, you haven't seen me, understand? But why? Your husband trusted me. Why don't you try it? Well, all right, Mr. Valentine. Look, any way I can get out of here without going down the stairs? Yes, that door leads to my husband's private elevator. It'll take you to the back entrance. Say, he thought of everything. He liked to come and go without disturbing the rest of the household. A clever man. Okay, Mrs. Winters, I'll get in touch with you tomorrow. Tomorrow? You mean you'll have news for me? Well, maybe it'll be news to you. And then again, Mrs. Winters, maybe it won't. Mr. Valentine, what's the idea of dragging me out here in the middle of the night? Keep your pretty little mouth shut, will you, Claire? What is this place, anyway? The back entrance to the Winter's home. Haven't they got a front entrance? Sure, sure, but we're not using it. We're here to steal something. Steal? I'm supposed to be a secretary, not a second-story man. Keep quiet. Mr. Valentine, I quit. Yeah, some other time. Now step into that elevator. An elevator? Where will this thing take us? Up to Mr. Winter's workroom. It's pitch black in here. I don't feel safe. I'm here. That's what I mean. Shh. Now keep quiet. Oh! What's the matter? You don't have to hold my hand. I'm not holding your hand. Well... Someone is. Don't scream. I've got him covered. Put him up, you... Get that gun out of my ribs. Sonny! Sonny, I told you to go home. I have a feeling you're going to be very glad I'm along, Mr. Valentine. You might need me. Yeah, like I need two heads. You could use two. Now, both of you stay right here. I know where the desk is. Well, what do you want in there? I've got to get the lost corpse. Lost corpse? You mean you think Mr. Winter's body's in there? Yeah. No, no, the manuscript of his book. Now, keep quiet. Don't make a sound. Mr. Valentine, what was that? <laughs> Just an old shin of mine. Hey, I hear somebody coming up the stairs. Okay, kids, we can beat it now. Everything's under control. I've got the lost corpse. Is it a good story, Mr. Valentine? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you going to let us read it? Mrs. Winters wouldn't approve. Oh, what's she like? Is she attractive? Never mind, Mrs. Winters. What about the lost corpse? Well, it's it's a very unusual story about a man and his wife. How original. <laughs> the wife would like to give him the gate, but she hasn't any money of her own. Mm -hmm. However, she stands to collect a lot if her husband ever kicks the bucket. Is there a murder? Natch. The husband is shot, but he manages to make his way to a private investigator's office. Huh? Is that in the story? Sure. But that's what Mr. Winters did. The husband tells the investigator he's about to be murdered. Hey! 
That's what he told you. Then he collapses. When the investigator steps out of his office, the wounded man disappears. Just like Mr. Winters did. Well, that's what actually happened. It is? Well, what do you know about that? Well, go on, Mr. Valentine. Then what? Well, later the guy returns to his wife and he says, You thought you killed me, but I'm not dead yet. You, you... Yes, go on. You, well, that's all. That's as far as Mr. Winters got with his story. No wonder Mrs. Winters didn't want you to read it. It's a story of their life. It shows she's guilty. She killed her husband. Georgie. Say, Georgie. Oh, yeah, Caleb. What do you want? Now, where's Mrs. Winters? Is she all right now? Mrs. Winters? What are you talking about? Well, I, I left her in your waiting room. She came to see you. Oh, when was this? A few minutes ago. She acted kind of funny, like maybe she was sick. Come on. There's not a sign of her. Caleb, are you sure you left Mrs. Winters here in my waiting room? Mr. Valentine, look, on the table. A woman's purse. With initials on it, M.W. M.W. Marcia Winters. Sure. Do you think the same thing happened to her, Mr. Valentine? Someone followed her here and hid out on the fire escape? No, no, I don't think so. She heard us talking. She knew we thought she was guilty. Oh, of course. All right, Caleb, thanks a lot. Well, that's all right, Georgie. Call me if you need any help. Say, how are you two at playing games? Games? At a time like this? Look, Sonny, you be Sonny. I'll be George Valentine. And Claire, you be Mr. Winters. What? Now, Claire, step outside the office. Give us a few minutes, then come in and say you expect to be murdered. Oh, I get it. You want to reenact the crime. Ah, uh-huh, smart boy. Okay, Claire, get going. First, I'm a second story man, and now I'm an actress. I quit. Oh, go on. Claire, be a good sport. Humor me. I said I quit. Yeah, well, we haven't got time now. You can quit tomorrow. Oh, all right. But you can think of the silliest thing. <laughs> Now what'll we do, Mr. Valentine? Huh? Just exactly what we did when Mr. Winters first stepped into this office. Okay, Claire, come on in. I don't think she heard you. <laughs> All right, Claire, we're ready. What's the matter with her? I'll get her. Claire, you can come in now. Claire! Where is she? Suffering cats. What a mess. Now my sister's disappeared. <laughs> Claire has disappeared. We'd better give George a couple of minutes to think of some way out of this. Ever notice how it sometimes takes a couple of days to get accustomed to a change in climate? But not everyone knows that a change in climate or altitude can affect the way a gasoline performs in a car. You'll never have reason to notice it either if you drive on Chevron Supreme. That's because this great premium gasoline is tailored to each different climate and altitude zone in the West. Wherever you go, you get a Chevron Supreme that gives you the same fast starts, the same flashing pickup and eager power. Why not give it a try? Just stop at any Chevron gas station, garage, or standard station. You'll be thankful for a tank full of Chevron Supreme gasoline. Faster starting, quicker pickup with Chevron Supreme gasoline. George doesn't seem to have gotten very far in his solution of this case. First, a murdered man disappeared from right under his nose. Then the murdered man's wife mysteriously departed, and now his secretary has vanished into thin air. Are you just going to sit here in your office, Mr. Valentine? Aren't you going to do anything? She's my sister. She's the only sister I've got. No, no, take it easy, Sonny. 
If I thought anything had happened to Claire, I'd be out searching every house in this town. Well, then where is she? Well, she couldn't take it, that's all, so she quit. Walked out on us. I can't say I blame her. That doesn't sound like Claire. Georgie. Yeah, Caleb? You haven't had your dinner yet. Don't you think you better go out and get something to eat? Oh, not now, Caleb. You could uh, leave by the fire escape. The fire escape? A police car just stopped in front. Suffering cats, the police. Get yourself a nice, juicy steak. Yeah, that's just what I'll do. Come on, Sonny. Go down there and stall him, Caleb. Oh, I intend to. Now, you take your time and digest your dinner. Did you hear me? Yeah, sure. Let's go, Sonny. The fire escape. Oh, and Sonny. Yeah, Mr. Valentine? Better bring Mrs. Winter's purse along with you. Excuse me, Mr. Valentine, but aren't you going to stop and get something to eat? That's the trouble with women. As soon as the going gets a little tough, they walk out on you. Didn't you promise Caleb you'd get yourself a steak? Boy, a big, beautiful steak. But you're right, Sonny. She is. She is, sir? Much prettier than you. Mr. Valentine, if we're not going to eat, we can't just drive around all night. We've got to find out who murdered Mr. Winters and what they did with his body and where Mrs. Winters disappeared to and what happened to Claire. Isn't that right, sir? And she's very intelligent. That is, for a woman. Mr. Valentine. Hmm? Oh, okay, Sonny. Look at the address on that letter. What letter, sir? The one in Mrs. Winters' purse. Is there a letter in here? Well, didn't you notice it when Claire opened the purse? No, sir. Oh, here it is. It's addressed to Mrs. Marcia Winters, 300 Pepper Tree Lane, Cedarhurst. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, that's in the country. Yeah, they must have a country home, too. Cedarhurst. Yeah, that's out on Highway 6, right near you. Hey, we're on Highway 6. (laughs) We're headed towards Cedarhurst now. Uh, Brilliant deduction, Sonny. I'll increase your ration of bubble gum. Uh, I filled her up, sir. Oil, water. No, thanks. Wash your windshield? No, don't bother. I washed it once and I couldn't do a thing with it. Don't get many customers around here at night. Pretty deserted road. Yeah. I'll bet we're the first car you've seen this evening. That's right. Oh, uh, except for that cab. Cab? With a woman in it? Now, how'd you guess it? Hey, I'll bet it was Mrs. Winters. Hang on, Sonny. We're getting warm. Is this it, Mr. Valentine? Now, careful. Don't make any noise. There's a light inside the cabin. And a woman. See her moving around? Oh, yeah. I can make out her shadow now. All right, Sonny, you stay out here. Mr. Valentine. I'm sorry, Sonny, but there may be trouble. I can't let anything happen to you. Oh, but I'm in this with you. Look, don't you remember? I was going to look out for you. Yeah, but you may need me. Jeepers, Mr. Valentine. All right, Sonny, you win. But stick close to me, understand? Yes, sir. Are we... Gonna just walk right in? No, no, of course not. That's no fun. What would they do in a mystery show? They climb in a window. <laughs> then we'll climb in a window. Mr. Valentine, she turned off the light. Um, shall I go in first? No, you get in back of me. Let me handle this. Yes, sir. Take it easy, Sonny. I'm okay. Oh! I've got her. Let go! No, you don't. Just stay right here. Turn the light on, Sonny. Yes, sir. Let's see what we bagged. Claire! 
Well, 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 if it isn't second story, Clarissa. You have to be so rough. I bet you cracked two ribs. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know my own strength. Well, now that you see who I am, you don't have to keep on holding me. Uh, no, but it's fun. Claire, what are you doing here? Well, she saw the address on the letter, so she decided to follow the clue. Yeah, but why didn't she let us in on it? She thought I was a dope, Sonny, so she took over. You know all the answers, don't you? Not quite. What happened when you got here? Nothing. The place looked deserted. I crawled in the window, too. No one here? I couldn't see anyone. Are you sure? Of course. But, well, I've had the strangest feeling. Yeah? As though someone's been watching me. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay here with Sonny. Uh, I'll, I'll look around. Suffering cat, sis. You sure had me scared. Oh, I'm sorry, Sonny, but Mr. Valentine didn't seem to be making any effort to solve the case. Ah, uh, don't kid yourself. He just keeps things to himself. Well, everything seems to be in apple pie order. Hey, listen. Sonny, Claire, stand back there in the corner. I'll cover the door. Be careful, Mr. Valentine. Do I detect concern in your voice? Well, I don't want to see you get shot right in front of me. Then close your eyes. Good evening, Mrs. Winters. Oh. May I present my two assistants, Claire and Sonny Brooks? How did you know I'd come here? What do you want? Oh, just want to make talk. Mr. Valentine, you've got to believe me. I'm not like the woman in his story. I love Jonathan. Uh-huh. And you're the girl who never reads his manuscripts until they're finished. Well, I... Oh, go ahead. Turn me over to the police. I don't care what happens anymore. That's as good as a confession, Mr. Valentine. Well, I'm in no mood for confessions. Come on, we're going to play a little game. Oh, not again. Sonny, you keep an eye on Mrs. Winters. Now, don't let her leave. Don't worry. I won't try to run away. Okay, Claire, you're the wife in the lost corpse. More acting? I quit. Tomorrow. Now then, I'll be the husband of Mr. Winter's story. Here are some lines for you to read, Claire. You came all prepared, didn't you? Is this stuff that you wrote, Mr. Valentine? Well, of course. I'm a man of many talents. Now then, we'll skip to the part where I walk in wounded and say, You thought you killed me, but I'm not dead yet. You think you can follow those lines? I can read, if that's what you mean. <laughs> all set? Let's go. You thought you killed me, but I'm not dead yet. No, no, I didn't shoot you. I swear I didn't. But who'll believe you? The police? All the clues point to you. Do you mean... Yes, my dear. You wanted me out of the way. When you got your wish, I shot myself. No, I no. killed myself. But they'll think you're guilty. You'll pay for it. I'll get a doctor. Too late. Too late. Goodbye, my dear. Goodbye. Then I die. What a performance. I don't get it, Mr. Valentine. You wrote this ending for his story, is that it? Of course. What's a story without an ending? I'll tell you what Mr. Valentine is getting at. He's trying to prove that my husband shot himself. Shot himself in such a way that it would look as though I murdered him. Why would Jonathan do such a thing? He knew that I loved him. You don't have to put on an act for us, Mrs. Winters. Why don't you turn her over to the police? Now, just keep your shirt on, Sonny. And everybody stand where you are. Don't make a move. Understand? What are you going to do? You'll see. Mr. Valentine, why are you opening that door? Well, we're going to have some company. Company? Then somebody is hiding in here. Okay. You can come on now. Who are you calling? Hey, you mean the police are here? The police? You've set a trap for me. Come on out, Mr. Winters. Mr. Winters? Huh? How did you know I was hiding in there? Jonathan. Well, how'd you like my way of ending your story, Mr. Winters? It was very clever, Mr. Valentine. Oh, Jonathan, you're not hurt. You weren't shot. I'm terribly sorry you were worried, darling. Hey, I don't get this. Mr. Winters couldn't find an ending for his story, The Lost Corpse. But how did you know that? Searched his waste paper basket, found it full of rejected endings. That's quite right. Finally, I decided to do just what the hero in my book did. So I went to Mr. Valentine. You see, I saw his ad in the paper. Said he could solve anything. Then, when he tried to go home and explain to you, Mrs. Winters, he saw the police there. So he came out here to hide. Oh. Right, Mr. Winters? Absolutely right. 
I knew I'd find him here. Then when I searched this cabin, I saw him hiding in the closet. Well, why didn't you say something? Oh, I wanted to put on a show for him. Oh, Jonathan. Oh, forgive me, darling. <laughs> well, come on, kids. They don't need an audience. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Valentin. I've got the ending to my story, thanks to you. And with all that publicity in the papers, it's sure to have a big sale. So, name your fee. Oh, well, I, I don't know, Mr. Winters. I, <laughs> I haven't really thought about it. I say an even grand. Eh? Oh, yes. I'll send you a check in the morning. Oh, no hurry. No hurry. <laughs> I, uh, I just happen to have a pen and a blank check with me, though. As a matter of fact, here it is, all made out. Just needs your signature, Mr. Winters. Oh, yeah, yes, of course, well, certainly. Suffering cats, a thousand bucks. There you are. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Well, let's go, kids. Good night, Mr. Winters, and uh, if you ever get stuck again... I'll remember. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Ooh, what a day. Now I feel like collapsing. Sonny, come here and put your arm around me. Oh, sure, sis. Go away, Sonny. <laughs> Let George do it. Tonight, I'd like to play a little game with you, too. A word game. It's very simple. I say a word, and you pop out with the first thing it brings to your mind. All set? Okay, I'll say oil. I'll bet most of you immediately thought of slippery. And that's right. Oil is supposed to be slippery, but sometimes it can be too slippery and slide right off spots it's supposed to protect. This can be awfully dangerous to cars... So we gave RPM motor oil a special non-skid ingredient that makes it cling to engine wear points. That's why it sticks to hot spots on upper cylinder walls that other oils often leave bare and exposed to wear. Other compounds in RPM gently remove carbon, prevent corrosion, and sludge. Try this all-around car saver. Ask for RPM motor oil at any standard station, Chevron gas station, or garage. And remember... Fill up with Chevron Supreme, too. You'll be thankful for a tank full of Chevron Supreme gasoline. Faster starting, quicker pickup with Chevron Supreme gasoline. Next week at this time, George Valentine has a difficult problem thrust upon him. You'll probably hear him saying something like this. You're Mrs. Wentworth? The Mrs. Wentworth. Oh, yes, first family. Uh, Mr. Valentine, someone very close to me is in serious trouble. Oh, I see, Mrs. Wentworth. What's she done? Well, it's what she might do. You see, she uh, picks up things. Picks up? Oh, a kleptomaniac. I want you to watch her closely. Follow her everywhere. Come to my house this evening and I'll explain. Good afternoon, Mr. Valentine. Good afternoon. Mr. Valentine. Yeah, Claire? Mr. Valentine, don't look now, but your fountain pen is gone. Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for one of the most popular radio shows of the late 40s and early 50s, starring Eve Arden as Our Miss Brooks, Gail Gordon as Principal Osgood Conklin, and Jane Morgan as Miss Brooks' nosy landlady, Mrs. Davis. 
Brooks, our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Well, some people are just naturally shy and retiring. But according to our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, Mr. Boynton overdoes it. Yes, we don't even hold hands when we go to the movies. Except, of course, when I surreptitiously slip him the 65 cents for my ticket. (laughs) Even that slight contact could be more romantic if it lasted a bit longer. But the minute he feels a half dollar, a dime, and a nickel, he lets go. (laughs) I remember one night I was 15 cents short. That's the hottest time I've had with him in six years. (laughs) After brooding about this stalemate all week, I decided last Thursday night to give him up once and for all, to put him completely out of my mind. It was difficult to do, but once I had arrived at the decision, I stretched out on my bed, turned out the light, and in no time at all, I was peacefully writhing around, shredding my sheets. (laughs) Friday morning, my landlady had an even rougher time than usual trying to wake me up. Connie, wake up, Connie. Connie, time to get up here. Rise and shine, Connie. Hmm? Oh, good morning, Mrs. Davis. Thanks for waking me. I've got to get to school. What's this? What am I doing with my clothes on? You put them on ten minutes ago when I woke you the first time. (laughs) I should have slept in them. They could use a good pressing. I'll straighten your bed while you get your shoes on. And goodness, what made you take all those face towels to bed with you? Those aren't face towels. That's what's left of the sheet. A very restless night, Mrs. Davis. I tossed and turned for hours. Worrying about Mr. Boynton, Connie? Not anymore. I decided to call it quits. But, Connie... Oh, I know I've said that before, but this time I mean it. I'm going to forget all about him. When did you arrive at that decision? Yesterday, after another one of our amorous dates in the park zoo. It was terribly disappointing, Mrs. Davis. The more so since four or five minutes seemed genuinely romantic when Mr. Boynton breathed on the back of my neck. When did he do that? While he was looking over my shoulder at the monkeys. He's a strange man in many ways, Connie. But I'm sure you can patch it up. Well, there's nothing to patch up, Mrs. Davis. I'm just going to put him out of my mind completely. Whatever you say, dear. Now, please put on your shoes and come into the dinette. Breakfast will be ready in a jiffy. You go on ahead. I'll be right in. Oh, gosh, I'm sleepy. Oh, don't take too long, dear. I don't want your grapefruit to get cold. (laughs) Don't worry. I'll be there in a minute. Oh, Oh, Connie. Connie, would you like some toast? Hmm? Oh, yes, Mrs. Davis, I'd love some toast. Where is it? Just lift your head, dear. It's under your cheek. (laughs) I can't remember when I've been so knocked out. It was those dreams, I guess. I must have dreamt of a hundred people, and every one of them looked like Mr. Boynton. Well, that's the way it goes, dear. The minute you try to forget someone, he takes over your thoughts completely. Maybe if I read the morning paper, I can get him out of my mind. Let's see what the headlines... Mrs. Davis, look, on the front page, a picture of Mr. Boynton. Let me see. 
Why, Connie, what's the matter with you? This is the Indian ambassador. <laughs> what? Well, I should say the American ambassador to India. But he's the image of Mr. Boynton. The hair, the eyes. Well, on closer study, this seems to be a much older man than Mr. Boynton. Still, there's a remarkable resemblance. You only imagine there is because of your mental conflict. Don't you see, Connie? One side of your mind is trying to boot Mr. Boynton out, while the other side is trying to lock him in. No wonder it's so noisy in there. <laughs> see, my head is just spinning. Well, take it easy, dear. Remember, the one thing most difficult to forget is what you're trying to forget. If you'll cooperate with me, Connie, I'll show you just what I mean with a simple little experiment. Just try to forget an object on this table. Anything at all. Well, the coffee pot, for example. This coffee pot? Any coffee pot. Now close your eyes and clear your mind. Close them tightly. Hmm, that's it. <laughs> now, Connie Brooks, I command you not to think of a coffee pot. There's no such thing as a coffee pot. No coffee pot at all. Just keep telling yourself you must not think of a coffee pot. No coffee pot. I must not think of a coffee pot. That's right. No coffee pot. No coffee pot. <laughs> now, quickly, Connie, what are you thinking of? A coffee pot. <laughs> I can't understand it. Something must have gone wrong. Try again now. Are you still thinking of a coffee pot? Yes, but it looks like Mr. Boynton. <laughs> the handle is the same shape as his nose. The lid is the same shape as his head. In fact, the whole thing is... No, no, I'm wrong. It couldn't possibly be Mr. Boynton. Why not? It's percolating. <laughs> oh, well, I'll have some coffee. Oh, somebody's at the front door. There's the phone. We're a big hit this morning. I'll see who's at the door and you answer the phone, Connie. Hello? Good morning, Miss Brooks. This is Mr. Boynton. Oh. Just what do you want, Mr. Boynton? I called to ask if you'd care to join me this afternoon. Where? At the Museum of Natural History. They're going to exhibit for the first time a red-tailed field mouse from France. <laughs> Should be very exciting. A French field mouse? That's right. Well, kiss him on both cheeks for me. <laughs> I can't make it. Uh, I don't quite understand your attitude, Miss Brooks. You sound rather unfriendly oh, this morning. Excuse me, Connie, but there's five cents postage due on this cookbook that just arrived, and I haven't a bit of change. Would you pay the postman for me? He's waiting at the door. Oh, certainly, Mrs. Davis. Hold the phone a minute, will you, Mr. Barton? All right. And Mrs. Davis owes you... Yikes! What seems to be the trouble, ma'am? Mr. Boynton, what are you doing in that postman's outfit? And how did you get off the phone and over here so quickly? Did you say Boynton, ma'am? My name is McDonald. I'm the new postman in this district. Now, if you'll kindly give me a nickel, let's do it. Here's your nickel, Mr. McDonald, but please do me a favor. Wait here just one minute. It's very important. Okay. Hello? Are you still there, Mr. Boynton? Oh, yes, Miss Brooks. That's all I wanted to know. Bye. <laughs> Mr. McDonald? Oh, yes, ma'am. Bye. <laughs> Mrs. Davis. 
Francis, why didn't you tell me that our new postman is the image of Mr. Boynton? What are you saying, Connie? Mr. McDonald doesn't look any more like Mr. Boynton than I do. And he's got a thick Scottish burr. Burr? He doesn't have any more Scottish burr than a French field mouse. <laughs> or an Indian ambassador. Now, now, dear, pull yourself together. You see, Connie, when my sister Angela was being treated for her absent-mindedness, I learned quite a bit about psychiatry. Well, what has that got to do with me? Just this, dear. As a result of your decision to break things off with Mr. Boynton, you are suffering from a combination of visual and auricular hallucinations. You see Mr. Boynton's face on other people because you want to see it. You hear his voice because you want to hear it. All this may be lightened to a mirage. Do you see what I'm driving at? Exactly. You're trying to tell me that I'm perceiving objects which have no foundation in fact. I'm experiencing sensations which have no actual external cause and that I am, in general, blowing my cork. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad, dear. Not that bad? When everybody I see looks like... Wait a minute. Why don't you look like Mr. Boynton to me? It doesn't work that way, Connie. Familiar faces don't change. It's new ones that assume his identity most readily. But don't you worry, dear. I've got the best remedy in the world for your trouble. What is it? Diversion. I'm going to give a big party here tonight. We'll invite the Conklins, some of your students, and by all means invite Mr. Boynton. He should help you forget him best of all. Oh, no, you don't, Mrs. Davis. I appreciate your giving me a party, but if it's just one of your schemes to bring Mr. Boynton and me together... Now, now, don't be silly, Connie. If you don't want him to come... That settles it. Thanks, Mrs. Davis. Well, of course, if the party doesn't do the trick for you, you can always see Dr. Friedkin. He's the analyst who took care of Angela. Well, I finally got to school, but spent the whole morning like someone in a dream. Reality seemed to return when I stood in front of the steam table in the school cafeteria and set some lunch on my tray. Hello, Miss Brooks. Hello, Mr. McDonald. I was just about... Mr. McDonald, what are you doing at school? Shouldn't you be delivering the U.S. mail? Miss Brooks, I'm Mr. Boynton. What have I got to do with the U.S. mail? Or the U.S. female, for that matter. <laughs> How's the field mouse from France? Well, now that you mention it, I heard this morning that the exhibit's been called off. The French field mouse never got here. Seems there was a strike, and the boat he was on couldn't leave port. You mean he was too chicken to swim? <laughs> if you'll excuse me, I promised I'd join Walter Denton at his table. I, uh, I really don't understand why you're giving me the cold shoulder today. If my shoulder is cold, Mr. Boynton, it's only because somebody blew a big chance to warm it up. I don't quite understand that, either. Well, maybe some of your companions at the zoo could explain it to you. Uh, now, look, if there's something I've done that I... Uh, why are you staring at me so strangely, Miss Brooks? Oh, I was just wondering. Mr. Boynton, do you have a twin brother who's a postman? Or an Indian ambassador? Of course not. Do you have a twin brother who's a coffee pot? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, you really must excuse me now. Uh, but, Miss Brooks... Goodbye, Mr. Boynton. Hello, Walter. How's everything? My cup of happiness is slopping over. 
I can't get over how closely he resembled Mr. Boynton when I met him this morning. Even his voice was the same. I told you, Connie, you created such a violent mental conflict when you decided to forget Mr. Boynton that your eyes and ears played tricks on you. If you'll call Dr. Friedkin, my sister's analyst, he'll explain it to you in a minute. Well, I'm hoping this party will be all the medicine I need to make me forget that Mr. Boynton ever existed. Miss Brooks' daddy is so hungry, he said he could eat his weight in cold cuts. Well, I'm not going to cook a moose just for him. <laughs> He'll have to be patient, Harriet. Is Mr. Abernathy with him? Oh, not yet. He stopped at the store for something. But Walter and his pal Chester Pruitt are here. Cute boy. They're playing marbles on the rug. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> but you ought to go in and chat with your guest, Connie. I'll finish preparing dinner. All right, Mrs. Davis. Hello, Mr. Conklin. When do we eat? Well, you'll probably eat while I'm carrying dinner to the table. Uh, it'll just be a few minutes, sir. Oh, I suppose that's Mr. Abernathy at the door. I'll, I'll get it. Yes, sir. Well, how are you tonight, Walter? No, just fine, Miss Brooks. Pick up your marbles, Chester. Hey, Miss Brooks, this is Chester Pruitt. Oh, pleased to meet you, Miss Brooks. Whoops! <laughs> oh, come now. What sort of a gag is this, Mr. Boynton? Mr. Boynton? No, no, this is Chester Pruitt, Miss Brooks. But he's the image of Mr. Boynton. That is, to me, he resembles him very much, but then... Uh, would you move your feet a little, Miss Brooks? I want to look around the floor. Wait a minute, I've got to get this straight. Uh, please, Miss Brooks, I haven't got all my marbles. You... <laughs> got all your marbles. If I were in the army, I'd be out on Section 8. Look, Mr. Boynt, uh, Chester, how old are you? I'm 14, but I'm going on 15. I think it was real peachy keen of you to let me come over tonight. I think I'll go lie down. If you boys will excuse me. Oh, hold on there, Miss Brooks. I want you to meet a friend of mine. This is Mr. Abernathy. Oh, I'm delighted to meet you, Miss Brooks. Huh? <laughs> Wait a minute. You can't be Mr. Abernathy. You're Mr. Boynton. Mr. Boynton? Well, that's quite a compliment to pay a 70-year-old man. <laughs> Boynton is a young biology teacher at Madison, Fred. Well, bless you, Miss Brooks. If I had my new dentures with me, I'd bite you. <laughs> Excuse me a minute. Will you get the coffee, Connie? Not now, Mrs. Davis. Walter, take a good look at Mr. Abernathy. Okay? Now take a good look at Chester Pruitt. Now give it to me straight. Does either of them resemble Mr. Boynton? Not in the least. Uh-huh. Mrs. Davis. What is it, Connie? What's Dr. Friedkin's phone number? <laughs> I'm ready for the couch. That, dear? Never mind, I'll look it up. Oh, come on, Miss Brooks, I'll help you get the coffee. You know, you seem kind of unsteady on your feet, Miss Brooks. But don't worry, you'll feel better after you eat. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I'd better take this coffee pot here and oh, I'll... Oh, not that one. That's the one that looks like Mr. Boyne. <laughs> come again? There's no time to explain now, Walter. I've got to look up Dr. Friedkin's number in this phone book. D-E-F... F F A 
E, F, L, F, R, F, R, I. Into the living room, Walter. The kitchen is just for us girls. All right, Mrs. Davis, just trying to help. Oh, hi, Mrs. Foster. Good to see you. F-R-I-E-D-F-R-I-E-D-K-I-N. Honey, I want you to meet an old friend. Oh. This is Mrs. Foster. How do you do? Oh, no. I'm happy to know you, my dear. Mrs. Davis has told me and my husband so much about you. I leave you two alone and let you get acquainted. See you later. Uh... You'll forgive me for staring, Mrs. Foster, but there's something about your face. Yes, I know, but it can't be helped. (laughs) Beautician or no beautician, I'm not the girl I used to be. That you can say louder. (laughs) I mean, you look so very much like someone, and yet as you stand here in that off-the-shoulder dress... Oh, I'm so glad you like it, my dear. I made it myself. Of course, I don't do quite as much sewing lately as I used to. You don't? No. (laughs) Not since the baby came. You you have a a baby? Well, what is it? A girl or a boynton? I mean... (laughs) Is it a boy? Well, my last born is a boy. I have seven all told. Heavens, I don't know what I'd do without the Didy service. But, Miss Brooks, you look rather pale. Naturally. My blood just left for Dr. Friedkin. (laughs) You'll have to excuse me now, Mrs. Foster. I've got to make a very important phone call. If you'll step into the living room... But I don't know any of your guests, aside from the Conklins and Walter Denton, Miss Brooks. Uh, Could the phone call possibly wait until you've introduced me to the others? Well, all right. Follow me. Mrs. Foster, this is Chester Pruitt. Hello, Chester. Chester, Mrs. Foster. Hello, Mrs. Foster. Mrs. Foster, Mr. Abernathy. Hello, Mr. Abernathy. Mr. Abernathy, Mrs. Foster. Hello, Mrs. Foster. Well, now that you've all met yourself... Oh, just a minute. There's one you haven't met, Miss Brooks, in the baby carriage right behind you. Baby carriage? I took the liberty of bringing the baby with me. He's only six months old, and the other children are a little rough with him. Ah, the little doll playing with his rattle. I'll lift the hood back and let you see him, Miss Brooks. Here we are. Oh, what a beautiful little baby. Goo, goo. Oh, no. Dr. Friedkin! Dr. Friedkin! Dr. Friedkin! Friedkin. Connie. Friedkin. Connie. Wake up, dear. Hmm? Connie. Who? What do you want, Mrs. Davis? Mrs. Davis? You'll never get to school if you keep dozing off in that chair, Connie. It's almost quarter to eight. Mrs. Davis, has Mr. McDonald been here yet? The the new postman? What are you talking about? Our postman is still old Mr. Fitzgerald. He's been with us for years. Well, the party, Mrs. Davis. What about the party you were throwing to help me forget Mr. Boynton? Well, I don't know anything about a party, Connie. You must be... Oh, you've been dreaming. Of course. Now I remember. After you'd gotten dressed, you told me that you were sick of Mr. Boynton taking you to the zoo so often. Then when I went to the front door to let Mr. Boynton in, 
You must have dozed off again. He's waiting for you in the living room. Mr. Boynton is? Excuse me a minute. Mr. Boynton? Uh, Mr. Boynton? Here I am, Miss Brooks. Mr. Boynton, do you have any plans for this afternoon? Uh, No, I haven't. Then will you take me to the zoo, please? But, Miss Brooks, we've been to the zoo practically every day this week. I like it. I like it. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Lights Out, followed by The Jack Benny Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.